0: The top 5, a show where you wake up in your underwear, in a class, and you've got a test coming up. This is Top 5.
1: <laughs> or as we call it, Tuesday. This
0: week on Top 5, the top five courses that we took in college. The top five courses that we took in college. Rodrigo, I'm sure you've studied and you're prepared and you've got your slide rule handy. What do you have for number five?
2: Oh, no. <laughs> I forgot we were doing this today. No, um, actually I kind of did because uh, we didn't record a uh, major spoilers podcast today. So, so I almost forgot that we were doing this today, which is very thematically appropriate. Um, <laughs> it was like being back in college briefly. Um, but my uh, my number five um, was a class that I really enjoyed and was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, a very pleasant surprise in a lot for a lot of reasons. Um, when I was, uh, I want to say I took this class as a senior. Um, I just came across it. It was a Spanish literature class, and I, I, I and it was like a, um, like an old Spanish literature class. And I was like, I've never taken any Spanish lit, so I'm just gonna take it. And I showed up to the class. And the professor writes, you know, Spanish literature. It was like a 201 class or something like that on the board and then turns around and he just starts speaking in Spanish. And about 10 minutes in, he like starts going around and starts getting people to introduce themselves and. Um <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, you know, it's like, so how about you? Have you ever have you read any of the titles that we're gonna be talking about? And it's like, oh, not really, you know, it's like, oh, I've read a couple of them, blah blah blah. And like before he gets to me, he's like about three away from me, and then like the guy who's next to me just like stands up and he's like and just like walks out. And I'm like, <laughs> just like just like clears the room. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that guy knew how to speak Spanish, you guys. <laughs> and the professor was like, no, that happens. Uh, that uh, he's like, the, the professor was like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised that there was only one. Usually there's at least two or three people that are just like, Hey, I'm going to take a Spanish literature class and don't realize that the class was in Spanish. And I didn't realize the class was in Spanish, but fortunately I can speak and read Spanish. So, it turned out to be like a very pleasant surprise for me that I got to take I'd like I got to take a class in Spanish. Um and it was great because it was like a very old literature class. I got to read um El Cid, which was great because if you've ever watched the uh, Charlton Heston movie, that movie is garbage compared <laughs> compared to the actual text which is like a lot more interesting and a lot more fun hmm. and a lot more like sort of inclusive like it's it's about like el Cid trying to get in good with like the um the with his king and he like enlists both moors and christians to help him and he fights both moors and christians to help him like it's it's not about this whole like moors versus christians thing um it's it's a really interesting text um and i i just really enjoyed the class i actually have a lot of weird anecdotes about this class um but uh, that, that's probably good enough for, for my number five, uh, my Spanish literature class.
0: Excellent. Matthew, hopefully you uh, did your homework and you've come prepared and you're going to show your work. What do you have for number five?
1: Well, I don't read as well Spanish. My Spanish is actually pretty bad, although I accidentally spoke it at work the other day. Somebody asked me a question before 8 a.m. and I wasn't quite there. But when I went to college, I went to Fort Hays University in uh, Hayes, Kansas a lot of the people that I knew were German Caucasian people from Kansas. Yeah, and were. a lot of the people that I had grown up with were German. So I tried to branch out and take a lot of classes. And one of the ones that really sticks with me even today was a class that I think I took on a lark because it had literally nothing to do with my degree in radio, TV, film. It was a political science 101 class. And it was taught by a man from the East coast who had an accent that could have been really anywhere from Brooklyn to Delaware, but it was a definite East coast accent. And his name was professor Basinski and he was loud and he was brash and he would jump around and he would yell stuff. And he would, you know, he would do that almost that movie TV challenge your perceptions thing for all of the, you know, the kids from the middle of nowhere. And we had some really good, interesting debates where he would try and play devil's advocate for all of the people in the room who are like, well, how does this deal with me growing up on a horse farm? And I remember it being fascinating. And I remember it being some of the first really bilateral discussions of things like race and culture and gender that were actually meaningful and, you know, not just some, you know, guy with a bullethead buzz cut telling you what he thinks about them people. So it really stuck with me and it was really awesome. And it always kind of made me think that I wanted to do more in a, you know, a political science type of realm. And I've, I've realized as I've aged that I don't have the patience for that. I I, I just, you know, just, I would, I would slap people. I'd want to slap people at the very least. So It's nice to look back at that time and think about how young and vital and how bright-eyed I was and how I thought, wow, this world is fascinating and everybody in it is just a a beautiful snowflake and we're all going to grow up and it's going to be freaking awesome. And then, you know, it was all crushed on the wheel. But in any case, it was wonderful just to think back to that being 19 and being exposed to some of these concepts and people who weren't, you know, my mother's bullet-headed husbands. So My number five, my political science—I think it was Poli Sci 101 with Professor Basinski—sticks with me to this very day.
0: Very cool. Uh, My number five is one that uh, I really didn't think I was going to have to take. It's college algebra. Uh, So here's the thing: when you're in school at college, they make you take math classes, and some of them are required, and some of them are not. Uh, College algebra was a required course, but because I'd had, uh, you know, all the advanced classes in high school. I was like, well, you know, is there a way to quiz out of this so I don't have to take it, but I can get credit for it? I don't mind paying for the course. I just don't want to sit there and take the course. And the only way that you can quiz out of an exam is by first enrolling in the course. And I was pretty sure that I was going to quiz out of college algebra. And so I signed up for the 7.30 a.m. course. (sighs) 7.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Oh. And so then after I signed up, I was like, well, I'm going to be able to, you know, just not show up to this class because I'm going to pass it and went and took the uh, college algebra uh, quiz out exam.
1: You didn't quiz out, did you?
0: Missed it by missed it by one point. Oh, not one question. Literally one point. And when I went to went in to talk to them, they were were just like all looking at each other back and forth. They're like, um, you came really, really close. Unfortunately, you didn't hit the, you didn't hit the mark that we needed, which I think was like <laughs> a, it was like a 97% or something is what you had to have in order to, to get out of it. And I had like a 95 or 96. And oh. so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, seven thirty AM, the earliest oh. that classes were ever offered. I would trudge across campus. I would go into a classroom. I would sit in the back of the room. I would close my eyes. And then the teacher would be up there, you know, basically the whole Bueller, Bueller, Bueller thing. Does anyone know what X times Y minus Z equals? And then be like, everyone would be super silent. And then I'd be sitting in the back with my eyes closed and I'd just raise my hand and then she'd go, yes. And I would just spit out the answer and then put my hand down and go back to, to sleeping. Uh, it was the easiest A that I ever had in college. But, oh, man, 730 a.m., is uh, definitely a, uh, top five college course that, uh, that I remember I'm not saying that these are my favorite college courses. But it's just top five courses. There you go. All right. Uh, college algebra. All right. Ugh. Uh, five minus one is four, which means we are now to our number four and Rodriguez, what do you have for your number four?
2: Uh, my number four is definitely not a math class. Um, uh, my number four is a uh, screenwriting class, um, largely because uh, I it was very enjoyable, um, not because of the actual screenwriting, um, although it was kind of a, a thing where the interactions with the professor uh, like, kind of internalized good sort of dramatic rules. Um, this this particular professor, uh, Professor Tolchinsky, had a, a very particular way of, like, talking about movies where, you know, we'd watch something, you know, we'd uh, he, his, like, two favorite go-tos were, like, Spider-Man and Raging Bull. You know, he'd just, like, he'd show us a scene from Spider-Man, he'd show us a scene from Raging Bull, and it wouldn't even necessarily be, like, any scene that you'd think of. He'd show us, like, you know, something where, like, Peter Parker's like, oh, no, I'm late for the buzz. And, you know, like Peter Parker really like, ah, nah, and like the bus takes off without him. And he'd be like, OK, so talk to me about this movie where the bus leaves them. We talk about it and it's like um, so we'd be talking about it and he'd be like, OK, so in your movie, when does the protagonist miss his bus? You know, like that sort of thing. And it's like you when in your movie, when does the protagonist miss his bus? It's like, well, uh, well my movie is set in space. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But when does the protagonist miss his bus? It's like, well, but but there are no buses. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not getting what I'm saying in your movie. When does the protagonist miss his bus? You know, that kind of thing. You know, to kind of hammer the point that it doesn't actually matter what happens in the movie. What matters is where's the protagonist at that point? What do they feel? What are they going through? Where are we as an audience sympathizing with them? What are we moving towards you know, in the story. Um, and those are things that are that I use in my writing. Those are things that I use in my game mastering in, um, in my games uh, to this day. And those are things that I definitely use in my criticism. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, movies and comics on, on Major Spoilers, on the Major Spoilers podcast and on this podcast. And, and you know, those are things that I use every day. So that screenwriting class, uh, you know, has served me very well. Very cool. Uh,
0: Matthew, what do you have for number four?
2: My number four has not served me nearly as
1: well. And the reason for that is that uh, much as with Stephen's uh, algebra, there are things that you are required to take in college, including four credit hours or four total something of physical education, yeah. I, now, I've got a, I've got a couple you, things to say about that. So go ahead. If, <laughs> if you have been listening to this show, you may have heard me refer to myself as the fat man with the definite article, so to speak. And the reason for that is because I am a very fat man. And so I'm not going to be taking like cross country running. I'm not going to be taking like volleyball. I am not honestly to this day sure of why I at 21 had to even take these classes. But what I did was I took things like fencing. Fencing was great because I was fencing with a really pretty girl that I had a crush on. And the the instructor was like, all right, aim for your opponent's nipple. And I stabbed her and she's like, boy, your aim is perfect. And I'm like, okay. And then I took like billiards and I took bowling. But my number four is a game for which I had no taste and now have even less of a taste golf. I took a credit hour or three credit hours or whatever it is of golf. And I remember clearly going out on the golf course, spending money that I didn't have on things that I didn't want to do things that I didn't care about. And I took golf with my roommate at the time, Carl. And I want to, I want to paint you a picture. I want you to imagine Carl is at a tee and backwards behind him on the left. I am sitting in a golf cart, staring into space, maybe reading a comic book. It's entirely possible that I had a comic book. And Carl is facing away from me, getting ready to drive a golf ball. And remember, I am behind him to the left. And he drives this ball as hard as he can. And it comes right between the bridge of my nose and the windshield of the golf cart. He managed to knock that thing so hard behind him to the left at the speed of sound that it very nearly killed me. And that's why I remember golf. I took uh, that's literally the only reason
0: I took fencing, bowling, golf and racquetball were the four courses that I took. I, I loved Rac- them all. Racquetball was fun. They didn't fun. have billiard. I didn't want to take. I didn't want to take that. I wanted to take racquetball. Oh. Um, okay. But here's the thing: most universities now do not have a physical education requirement, and that kind of makes me mad. Why is that? I, I just think that there is, whether you hate it or not, there is something that can be gained from taking, from getting out and moving, right doesn't matter how fast you're doing it or whether you're doing it well, you're out moving today's physical education course requirements that you have, you know what they are. You sit in a, in a chair and you learn about the, the four food groups and the pyramid and how to wash yourself correctly.
1: They don't have four food groups anymore, dude. It's well, a pyramid. They,
0: they teach them about very basic nutrition, personal hygiene, And I forget what the other thing is. And I'm just totally appalled by that. I'm like, are you kidding
1: me? Get out there and move around. Remembering college and some of my more odiferous compatriots, I'm really sort of fine with a class that teaches
2: basic hygiene. I I am.
0: I don't know. I just think the physical act of moving around is
2: is good for you. You know why, though? It's because in, in, in the United States today, you are getting people that are making it all the way to college without those basics.
0: Yeah, I know. And that's, that's a problem in itself.
2: Yeah. But, so uh, by the time they get to college, they don't have requirement. that. Yeah,
0: requirement. I miss that physical education requirement. In fact, our university had a very nice bowling alley, a very nice billiards room. And when they got rid of that physical education requirement, uh, that area of the, the union went neglected so much so that they had to rip out the entire infrastructure and, uh, turn it into a cafeteria area. I uh, just, I don't know. I, I really think people should have movement. And I'm not saying it has to be hard movement. And I'm not saying Matthew needs to get out and walk 25 miles. But him walking <laughs> around the track once or twice, three times a week, isn't going to kill him. Uh, don't be him so sure. Walking around the track once or twice. Don't, don't be three so Three times sure. a week is not going to kill you. But don't, uh, don't, I almost had I almost had a, a, a PE uh, course down as my number four. But I did not. Instead, my number four is music appreciation, which it was actually called the history and appreciation of music. And uh, I took it during the summer because I was around during the summer. And if I wanted to be allowed to stay in Hayes during the summer, especially my first two years, uh, I had to be taking classes. And so one of the classes that was offered and was also met a requirement was this uh, fundamentals and appreciation of music or whatever it was. And so I'm into it. I mean, I like music. Uh, Who doesn't like music? Who doesn't have a basic understanding of music? Man, the first day I come in, the professor is this like high octane professor that, um, I forget if he played cello or violin, but he plays a variety of different instruments. And he comes in and he just sits down at the piano. Well, he barely sits down at the piano because most of the summer, four days a week, He is jumping around the classroom, jumping to the piano and just playing these riffs. Like he's telling us the history of Mozart and he's playing these little bits of Mozart and he's explaining why this works and why this doesn't. And he's talking about, you know, Brahms and Bach. And then he's like, let's talk about modern music and let's see how this. And so he just starts riffing on the top 40 songs that are that are there. And he actually made the class fun because he's like not turning on the radio and saying, here, listen to this. He's actually sitting there and playing it. And singing it and telling you, listen to this part that's coming up and here's why this this chord change, this chord progression, why this refrain works so well. And you really have a deeper understanding of how music is put together. And it was so much fun. I don't think that there was a single person in that class that was bored. A lot of times when you sit in a class, you can tell the people that are bored. Go back and look at my number five. and But not in in this case. And the fact that everything was pushed at us so quickly over a, I think it was four days a week or, uh, th- yeah, four days a week for four and a half weeks, uh, there was not a single person who was bored that entire time. And it was fun. And it is one that I still remember and still really kind of get a kick out of. It's too bad that that professor, uh, moved away because he was one of the better ones that I had in college. And that's why it made my number four. All right. We are down to number three and Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three?
2: My number three uh, is a class that is on here for a couple of reasons. Um, My number three is evolutionary biology. And um, so uh, it's it's on here for two main reasons. The the first reason is that it actually is an incredibly interesting subject. And while I was taking it, it. I was just riveted. It is, um, It was challenging and it was incredibly interesting and it was like the real nitty-gritty of genetics, like of how genes work, of how, um, you know, just sort of this genetic information is passed from generation to generation, how all of these alleles work and how all of these... Um, sort of these traits like dominant traits and, and uh, re- like recessive traits and all of these things work. Um, and, and, and how all that uh, functions and, and, and I loved it. Um, so, so there, there was that aspect. Uh, and then the other part uh, of why it's on here is that I was so bad at it. <laughs> like, just so so bad at it. I showed up late to my uh, very first lab, and they almost failed me right there. But I, I just kind of uh, like just like cried and pleaded, and they didn't. And um, and uh, uh, just kind of kept going, and eventually uh, just kept like doing really poorly in the class. And it wasn't until much later. That I was like, I'm, I'm going to fail this class. I need to, like, what should I do? And somebody was like, well, just drop it. And I was like, I can do that? And they're like, yeah, just drop the class. So I dropped the class. And of course, immediately, my average just went up. And I was like, suddenly, I didn't have this F. So my average just stabilized. And I was like, oh, my God, I can drop classes. <laughs> and and it just so this this was my first quarter of my first year, so first quarter of freshman year, I took this class, and it was like, um, it was like taking that 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 pill and going into the matrix for the for or or out of the matrix for the first time, right? It's like suddenly I was in college. I was like, oh my god. This is how this works. I uh, like, like when you're in high school, you have to take all of these classes. You have to take them. You have to do well in these classes. Here, it's an. You have an option. You can just not take this class. You can just not buy these books. You can just not go to this class. And if you can just fake your way through it, you can actually pass it. Second, it's like, I. Uh, You know, I I went to my advisor and I was like, hey, advisor, I'm a freshman. What do you think of this schedule? And she was like, yeah, this seems fine. You should take this weed out course for pre-med students. And I was like, oh, there's people here that I shouldn't trust. They don't know what their (laughs) job is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm just going to take everybody's opinion with a grain of salt. Again, it's like you seem like a grown up, but I'm just going to look askew at everyone. It's like I'm from there on out. You know, it's like my after hitting that first like speed bump at full speed and catching some air, you know, like my college experience became a lot easier um, and it was all kind of because of that class. And I, I sometimes I wonder, like if I hadn't taken that class right away, is like I wonder if my college experience would have been a lot harder because I would have tried to like maintain that like sort of high school mentality of like, oh, no, I got to do well in all these classes at the same time. and like, I got to keep it up. Whereas like just kind of like falling off the edge immediately, like really allowed me to like kind of get some perspective and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Most of this stuff actually doesn't matter. I just need to like do well at the things that I need to do well in. So my number three evolutionary biology,
0: you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, in high school, I was the same way. It was, it was impressed upon me at a very early age that, uh, I must get A's and B's at the least in everything, every course I take or there will be severe repercussions. And it, you know, twisted me up, uh, for most of my high school career and into college. And, uh, when I took a German three course, it was the worst course that I had. And I, I came home at like, it must've been the finals. Cause I didn't send, this was back when grades were still sent home to your parents. And, uh, I got a D in German three and I was terrified because the grades came in the day that I arrived back home. And I was terrified for when my father got home because I was just going to be like, oh my God, this is going to be so bad. And I had to tentatively, you know, br- you know, bring up the subject with my mom and say, oh mom, you know, I did really good in all my other classes except for. Uh, this one and I got a D and she's like, Oh boy. And so dad came home and he was like, so where are your grades at? I'm like, yeah, before you take a look at my grades, I just kind of want to prepare you. And he's like, what? And I was like, I, uh, didn't do so well in German three. And he's like, well, what'd you get? And I was like, I got a, well, dad, I, I got a D and I was just waiting for the fireworks to erupt. And the shock of my life was, well, German three is pretty hard. You did your best, right? I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, okay. And I was just like, oh, so it's okay not to get A's all the freaking time. Uh, so it was kind of like uh, that revelation for you, Rodrigo, that you don't have to always freak out about all the hard oh, stuff as long as you're doing, you know. Wow, all- man. And I- it was, I was just terrified. And at that moment, I was just like, And then there was like, the next semester was like a couple C's. Yeah, that's okay.
2: Uh, My parents never saw my grades. When I turned 18, I was like, they were like, oh yeah, nobody can see your grades unless you send them a transcript. And I was like, then no one will see my grades unless I send them a transcript. That,
0: that was the thing that changed. Um, probably I want to say like 95, 96, uh, the university stopped doing that. And, yep. uh, yeah, but before that, everything went to the parents and
2: I was just like, Whoa, I'm so dead. I had a, uh, I was part of a, a program. I was part of a, um, sort of this like ongoing internship program. And when I was in high school, I was doing just fine. And as soon as I got to college, I was basically perpetually on probation mm. for that program. Like my grades, I just never, like I was, I think I was supposed to maintain, A 3.0, and I never, while I was in college, I think I had a 3 a couple times, but I just never pulled, I was never above a 2.5 the whole time that I was in college. Wow. We
0: we won't talk about Matthew's grades, but we will talk about his number 3.
1: Matthew's grades were freaking phenomenal, (laughs) except for that year of college, or or rather, a year of high school where I discovered girls and beer at the same time. Uh, My number 3, honestly, I don't remember the name of it. I remember two important things about it. One, I took it with a kid named Caleb and Caleb was, Caleb was one of those guys where you're just like there, but for the grace go, I kind of moment. Caleb was, you know, nerdy and weird and wore his hair long and was all, I reject your society, dude. And he was, Kind of heavy and into weird crap like Monty Python and the Legion of Superheroes. But Caleb was also completely, and you know forgive me, sir, if you're out there listening, I apologize. It was a long time ago, but he was completely socially inept. And so I was like, yeah, at least... I'm over here doing better. And the second thing that happened, and I think of this class as, I think it was probably like a theater 101 class or something, but I think of it as something, something, something theater. And I remember exactly one thing that we were taught in that theater course because of the revelation that we had when discussing classical commedia dell'arte. If you guys are not familiar with that, basically, it's an early form of theater. It's from Italy, so everything in it is Italian. And for like 200 years, Commedia dell'arte was basically like the three-camera sitcom format of the, of the theater, where you would go and it would be familiar settings, familiar characters, and familiar archetypes. And you would always know when the guy comes out in the suit with the triangles, you got your Harlequin. And you would know that when the man came out in the black coat with the cap, you know, you've got Il Dottore. And I started analyzing this, and Caleb and I together analyzed some of the archetypes, the commedia characters. And we realized that they were incredibly familiar to us because one, of course, is the Harlequin. The Harlequin is tending generally an upbeat young man in a servile type role. And he was, he's the kind of guy who just kind of bounces around and he's like, maybe doing things like accidentally dropping a coconut on someone's head or, you know, uh, falling in love with a gorilla. And then, of course, he's generally in servitude to somebody. And one of the people that he's awful in servitude to is Il Capitano, who is kind of a braggart and a big brash man who has uh, some sort of history of military Thing You know, a, a skipper type. And, of course, there's Ildatore, who I mentioned earlier, who tends to be a wise, learned man, uh, tends to be wealthy. He's a man who knows a little bit about everything, and he's part of these main canonical characters. And, of course, the others turn to him for support. And then there's the Pantalone, who is an older, rich man, who's basically his main thing is money. And as we're going through this, I'm like, "Holy crap!" And then we get to Colombina, who is a young maid who tends to be a person of a, of a, you know, a lesser background, you know, maybe like a young girl from Kansas. And we realized that the main characters of Commedia dell'arte actually match up really well with the seven characters of Gilligan's Island. And so we failed the class. Because we didn't actually learn, for instance, that you know you would always have the pantalone in a dark cape and red trousers because we were sidetracked by remembering how incredibly funny Jim Backus was when he talked through his nerves, but it was a moment of just utter clarity to me in this bizarre class that I didn't really have any interest in but It took something that was historical and ancient and weird and creepy, and it suddenly locked in and it suddenly made perfect sense to me because it's freaking Gilligan's Island. And that's where I realized something that I think is actually, uh, as an example of how this works, it's best exemplified in a movie called Road Trip, which is a stupid teenage comedy uh, with sex and drugs and dumbness. But it has a line where one of the characters says, The key to learning, the key to teaching is finding a way to relate to the material. And I've taken that with me. And at one point I worked uh, as a manager in a call center situation where I would have people of all ages and backgrounds and intellects, most of them not on the high end, but you know, you would have these people and you'd have to find a way to address something to them. You'd have to try and learn something. You'd have to try and teach them something. And what you first had to do was find a way to address the material to put it in a familiar sort of place for them to put it as something that they can fully comprehend and understand. And for me, knowing that Commedia dell'arte is Gilligan's Island really locked that down. So even though I don't remember who taught the class, I don't remember anything, but Caleb and being on the third floor of, I think, McCartney Hall, what was right next to Heather? Uh,
0: the library and the the uh, other side. The, that was, uh, the Malloy hall. Yeah. That was the art performing Malloy arts hall, building.
1: Malloy hall, the performing arts building. I'm on the third floor, the second floor up there. Second floor. That's all I remember. But I remember that I had an incredibly important realization that everything is something else. And if you can figure out what it is and what it is that you already know about the thing that it already is, then everything can be something that you understand. And that's my number three.
0: All right. Thank you for that, Matthew. Uh, my number three, uh, another course that, you know, I wasn't thrilled about taking because I'd already had all the advanced courses in in high school, uh, but it was a required class, and it was a class that most freshmen took, although there were some people that waited until their senior year to decide to take it. Um, it was Intro to Physics, and a lot of people steered away from that because it's like, ooh, physics, ugh, gross. But it was really talking about... You know, just the physical science type stuff uh, that you normally get. It's a very basic intro course. And uh, it was in one of the bigger lecture rooms, so it was really crowded. But the thing that made the class memorable for me and why it hits my number three isn't because of the subject material. It wasn't because I knew what they were talking about or anything else. It was because of the instructor. This guy, I don't want to say he's dweeby, (laughs) but he was pretty dweeby.
2: Dude.
0: He was, he was your, your prototypical nerd guy. <laughs> and the cool thing was, is he knew that the people in that class could give two Fs about being there and that most of them did not want to be there. They were only doing it for a requirement. So he tried his hardest to make the class fun by introducing these little skits that he would do. So like if he's talking about how a magnet inside of a copper ring induces uh, electricity, he would have this big, you know, ring lined with copper and he'd have this big uh, magnetic bar and he'd start to insert it and you'd see this little meter jump. And just as it's starting to move, uh, he would go, oh, is that somebody at the door? And he'd pull it out and walk over to the door. And of course, then the, you see the, the needle move because the magnets moving. And, uh, he'd walk over there. Oh no, no, no one's out there. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let me get back to this experiment and show you this again. And he'd start it again. He goes, Oh, what, what is that noise? that noise need walk over? And of course you're supposed to see that the movement of the magnet is inducing the electricity, which is causing the needle to move, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the, and nobody got what he was doing except, uh. except for me. So I'm in the back of the, like the very back top row of this giant lecture hall. One of these stadium lecture halls. And I'm just laughing my butt off because I see what he's doing and I think it's funny. And it just struck me as here's somebody that gets it. Here's somebody that's trying to, to teach these important concepts in a super humorous way. And unfortunately, the rest of these people don't appreciate what he's doing. But I love that class because of him so much so that, and again, when I took classes during the summer, I found out that he was teaching an intro to chemistry class and I made sure that I took. His class is just so I could have that fun with him again, because he was he was making the learning fun, even if no one else was was appreciating it. And the jokes did kind of fall flat, but you kind of knew where they were coming from. So uh, intro to physics, my number three. Uh, Let's see, Rodrigo, we are all the way up to our number twos. What do you have on your number two?
2: My number two was a class that I took uh it was in my major um, uh radio t v and film and uh so I went to uh a, a university that is actually um actually attracts kind of uh prestigious faculty at times but perhaps more importantly attracts uh, sort of like this kind of like secondary angry faculty more importantly which is just the best right it's like um it doesn't It like sometimes we get that professor that uh, or, or that guy that made that super cool movie, or that guy that was like that sound design guy for that thing. That that guy that invented that thing, that that compressor that everybody uses. And sometimes we get that guy that didn't, and he's mad about it. And <laughs> that's that that was that professor that I had for that sound sound design class. We would get a lot of stories uh, where basically he would be like walking us through sound design, and then. This guy was. This guy was pretty old, and uh, he was like, "Yeah." And then we were, you know, he had a lot of stories. He had worked in Hollywood, and he'd be like, "Yeah." And then we were working on this, and then, uh, basically, uh, Forbidden Planet um, came out, and that's then what Spaceship sounded like, and all this work that we had been doing on our own movie just. Kinda had to be thrown in the trash because that's what spaceship sounded like. And I was like, "Man, how old is this guy? He must have been like really young when he was working on this stuff." Um, and he just like had so many stories about just kind of being beaten to the punch by someone, some other sound designer. And I was like, "How does he do that?" But mostly, I I really liked this class because he was kind of like that, that sort of like classic. Like, I can't tell you that you're actually wrong sort of artist, you know? Yeah. So he was like, okay, I want, like, for this thing, you're supposed to evoke a mood. And I'm like, okay, Professor, which mood? And he's like, no, 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 just evoke a mood. And I'm like, okay. So it's like, (laughs) you know, we had a computer and a keyboard, and he taught us how to basically like program a synthesizer, which was great. It was, a, it was like so much fun to figure out, you know, to basically have this program, make the sounds, put them in the synthesizer and then like put on your headset and like make it a little, little noise guy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then like play it for the class. And, you know, there were people there who were musicians, you know, so they would like make a piece and it would be actual music. And he'd be like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's great." And then I'd come up, and it would be like nonsense noise, you know. And he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see, yeah, I can see that a and a, you know." And like, fantastic. That is great. <laughs> that was like probably in the same way that like my uh, that evolutionary biology class was like my first like like actual hard class that i had to drop because it was too hard and crazy this is my first blow-off class i was like i actually can't do anything wrong in this class like i just have to show up like do some nonsense like and that's it and it's like it's like you know and like i don't want to be a jerk about it like but it's like this is so like this class is actually so open that i can't even try to take it seriously you know
0: yeah, I know. Those it's classes. like, yeah,
2: you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah. OK, yeah, just OK, professor, I'm in here with you. I know there's like, yes, I'm just going to let my creativity fly. Like, I want this to evoke the feeling of clouds and flying and magic and youth and the foreverness of existence within a thimble of eternity. Right. It's like. But it still, sounds, it still like, sounds like nonsense. And like there's no way that anybody else is going to get that. So it's like, you know, it's like no matter how hard you try, that's very hard to convey with a synthesizer eh, eh, on, a, on like a 15-second piece anyway. So it's like no matter how, even if you're like totally into it, it's still so difficult to actually do that. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go in here and have a good time and like, play some weird noises and see what he thinks about it. And actually like try to learn this program, which I unfortunately never used again. Um, But it was a lot of fun. So my number two was that sound design class.
0: Very cool. Matthew, what do you have for number two?
2: My number two
1: is a class that I actually enjoyed, but it was also And this is weird because I don't think we yet have one that's specifically related to my field of study. It was not something that was part of what I actually intended to go to college to do. It was one of those things where you need a science class. And there was a derisive term that bandied about the university, about the particular course. It was called rocks for jocks. Or, you know, geology, basic geology 101 or something. But I actually went and took this class with Bruce Otter, Otter Disaster. And I remember being in this class and being totally bored, you guys. I don't even remember if we finished it. I don't remember if we passed. I don't remember what it was about. I remember there was this beautiful girl who sat right in front of us. And she had the most gorgeous hair. And braided into her hair, she had just like this little rope. And it would go right down the back of her neck. And at the bottom of this little rope and this little braid was a little plastic heart. And we never had the guts to, you know, actually go up and say, hey, hi, your name's Imelda. I'm Matthew. This is Bruce. How you doing? We didn't have that. It was, You know, it was 1991 through three, something like that. It was a tough time. It was. Everybody had weird hair and the president talked like this, you might. So. We never spoke to her, but we referred to her with a a lovely, cute little demonstrative. Uh, Bruce dubbed her the rope hair girl. And so we used to talk about the rope hair girl and how incredibly beautiful she was. And in an ideal world, one or the other of us would have finally talked to the rope hair girl. Like on the last day of class, Bruce would have gone up and gone, hey, I'm Bruce. And, you know, we've been looking at your hair and, you know, they'd be married now with a 15 year old but that didn't happen we never spoke to her i don't know her name she may not exist if she does exist she's probably some nice 40-ish year old lady you know she could be a soccer mom she could be that lady who comes into the restaurant and immediately wants to speak to your manager she could be the sweet lady who's you know i don't know knitting doilies or something you don't knit doilies but you know what i'm saying all of these things could have happened and then you look at that and you think at the time that was one of the most important one of the most meaningful really deep philosophical moments of my life because i had a terrible crush on this girl i don't know her name never knew her name 20 years later still don't know her name and you look at this stuff and you you think wow these problems really matter and it turns out they don't and that's why i remember so vividly my basic geology science class That I took to fulfill some sort of prerequisite, so that I could get a degree and go on. And twenty-five years later, still not be working in my field or have fully paid off my student loans. And that's why my number two is Rocks for Jocks with Otter Disaster.
0: Very cool. So, uh, way back in the day, university. The
1: AKs in the front.
0: Yeah, uh, the university had this policy that if you took more than fifteen hours of courses, so more than five courses. Uh, Mm -hmm. Essentially, you were uh, any course after that, you would pay something some ridiculously low price, like five dollars a credit hour (laughs) for whatever reason. I don't know the reason behind that, because in order to take more than 15 hours, you had to have the permission of the provost. And of course, I knew the provost. I may have been drinking a couple of times with the provost at the time. And so whenever I wanted to take. 21 or 23 hours a semester he would sign off on it and during one of my many 21 hours a semester course uh, workload I enrolled in piano lessons Uh, because you can I mean these were supposed to be for music students. And the thing was, in order to take these these piano courses from one of the music professors there at the, the university, you had to go and audition for this uh, the, this course for this instructor. And so I went in and I had the nicest guy in the entire world. He was super brilliant. He was just super gentle. And, um, you know, I would play and it was horrible. And he was just like, well, OK, um, how about. We start you off with a very beginner, some very beginner lessons. And so over the course of three years, uh, or basically a semester and a half, I guess, so a year and a half, (laughs) I sat with this elderly gentleman uh, every day for an hour, or not every day, every other day for an hour, and just played piano with him. And it was nice. It was wonderful. It was calming. And he was such a nice guy that there were times where we didn't play the piano at all, We just talked for the entire time about life and everything, and it was just really, really memorable. He's a super sweet guy um, and a very brilliant piano player, and uh, sometimes he'd just say, okay, listen to this, and he would just play a piece that he was working on, and it was great. So my independent courses of piano one, two, and three that I paid five bucks for (laughs) per (laughs) course— Hits my number two, just because it was good. I learned to play the piano fairly well. Uh, I couldn't tell you right now. I don't know if I can even read music right now anymore. But at the time, it was great. It was a great growth opportunity. And uh, that's the second music course that has hit my top five. That's interesting. But that is my number two.
1: What's that? means you should have been in music.
0: No, not really, because I don't read music well, and I... No enough chord progressions to maybe make a song or two, but nothing now that, that would,
1: now that you're old.
0: but nothing that would ever, that would ever go anywhere. I mean, I still enjoy yep. it. I mean, I play, you know, here are the instruments I've played in my life. Uh, I have played mm-hmm. piano. I have played yeah. trumpet or mm-hmm. nose flute. No no flute, flute. Yeah. yeah, sure. Uh, no, n- harp, nose, nose, yeah. harp, uh, yeah. ukulele. And a uh, recorder, <laughs> although uh, I, I've always wanted to just uh, spare time stuff, pick up a clarinet and learn to play it. But um, I just enjoy playing music. I think it's fun. I think it's neat. I always threaten to be a bard whenever we uh, do our next uh, D&D game. You
1: uh, should follow uh, through. Bards are I fun. I
0: should. It could be fun, uh, but I need a little bit more A little bit more musical practice. But I've always enjoyed it, but I don't think that uh, music is, is my forte. It,
1: yeah, now that you're there? old. Your creative soul, we saw that, yeah. Your creative soul is now crying out to tell you that you <laughs> should have stayed. Think of what your world could have been in a Groundhog Day reality loop where you learned how to play the piano beautifully and Andy McDowell fell in love with you and everything you know is different. Yeah. And that alternate nah. Steven I'll pass. That alternate Stephen grew up and then a space probe showed up and zapped your brain and made you live that life on the alternate world with your personal inner light. Uh, and then that's uh, you know if you know that reference podcast at spoilers dot com. Yeah, no,
0: I'm never going to be a Star Trek captain, so there you go. Damn you! We are all the way up to our number ones now. <laughs> and Why Rodrigo would you give that away. Rodrigo is going to regale us with his number one.
2: Okay, so uh, unsurprisingly, my number one doesn't have uh, anything directly to do uh, with my major, although. Um, it does uh, sort of fall within the, the same school. Um, so um, one of the requirements was to take a certain number of classes within the School of Communications. Um, so uh, there was this class that looked pretty interesting. And it was a class on adapting the thousand and one nights for the stage. Um, which is just like this, just incredibly specific thing. Um, and it was taught by a professor who had actually just very recently done that. Um, she was a theater director in Chicago. She had just put on a fair, a very successful production of the thousand and one nights for the stage. And now she was teaching at, uh, uh, at uh, the university, and she was like, okay, I'm just going to teach you how to do this. So, um, <laughs> it uh, involved, you know, reading a lot of the Thousand and One Nights, um, picking out things to, um, to adapt, and to turn them into basically small skits to full-on plays and uh, things like that. And it was pretty amazing um the thousand and one nights is um probably my favorite works if that's a sentence that makes sense um it is basically i had read pieces of it before i had sat down with it a few times prior to that. But this class really made me sit down and really go through it in big chunks just because I had to really scour it for things that um, that I, I had to find in it, things that I was going to be interested in because I was going to have to be working with them so much that I was going to adapt. Um, I was also working in, in teams with people. So there would be a project and I would have a team of like two other students and then that project would end and I would, the, the, tw- the teams would switch around. So I would have, we would have to like together collaborate and find something, um, to, to put together. So it just kind of made us have to like pour through these, to this text. Um, and, and I found a, a lot there. So, uh, I had to really go through the Thousand and One Nights and go through these stories and and figure out how these stories are told and really kind of absorb them. And it really gave me an appreciation for the the format of the Thousand and One Nights. And it really actually has informed the way that I write. This class, this adapting the Thousand and One Nights uh, class is actually in a lot of ways very responsible uh, it's it's one of the like clearest lines that you can draw to my book to The Tale of Tallest Rabbit um, if I hadn't taken this class that book probably wouldn't exist and it definitely wouldn't exist in the form that it exists today by the way I wrote a book you can buy it on Amazon The Tale of Tallest Rabbit mm-hmm. shameless plug um Um, but yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for that class, I probably wouldn't have written that book and it is something that I think about every once in a while, I just get these memories from that class. It was a lot of work, but it was just such weird, fun work to be. Just going through such an unusual text and to perform it in such an unusual way to find new and interesting ways to bring such an old collection of stories, which are very unrelated and from such distinct and weird and sometimes not cohesive time periods, to life uh, in front of a bunch of students in in you know modern America is like super weird and just make such weird demand demands of your creativity. It was it was just like a, a great little moment in my life and is something that is kind of uh still still a very fond set of memories.
0: Very cool. Nice. Matthew, your number one please.
1: My number one is a moment that I shall remember all the rest of this show when i went to college uh as we mentioned i come from a small town in the middle of nowhere in the middle of kansas and i went to college in the bustling metropolis of hayes kansas which is roughly 20 times the size in terms of population of my hometown
0: now it's like fifty times the size of your hometown
1: now my hometown is actually tripled. So it's only 17 times the size of my hometown, but <laughs> nonetheless, Hayes was a pretty hopping place when I got there. Perspective wise, you're 18, you know, you've got, you borrowed your mother's car. She doesn't know you have it. It's kind of a shtick, but I got to college and I got in my room and I met the guys in the, in the dormitory. I met Andy and I met Daniel and I met all these goobers and, Monday dawns, it's the first day, the first class, like an 8 a.m. class, and I go in and I sit down in Intro to Broadcasting. And in this Intro to Broadcasting class, little did I actually know, were, uh, let's see, a person that I just talked to the other day, uh, a man who grew up to be one of my best friends, who married the girl that we competed for and failed to meet a couple of people who I still talk to on Facebook, a woman who I consider to be one of the great missed opportunities of my life and one of the people on this podcast. And in that class, they're like, okay, we're going to learn broadcasting. I'm like, all right. So, you know, we did some stuff. We had some things over the course of several years. We put together some shows. We made some radio. We made some television newscasts. We did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, seven years later, I graduated. Well, technically I didn't graduate the second time, graduated the first time. I never actually finished my, my master's thesis. So at the time that I stopped, I had all of this, almost all of the stuff. I was like four credit hours short and I needed to finish my thesis and go through the thing. Never did. It's a regret. What are you going to do? I'm old. But it was one of those moments that I didn't realize would be so incredibly cliche important because it's literally the first day of the first class, the first college moment for me. And there's no way that in 1989, I would have said, yeah, you know when I'm 46. One of the people in this classroom and I are going to talk every single day and we're going to be making shows and we're going to be writing stuff and doing things. And we're going to be like acting and yelling at each other and mostly yelling at each other. And all of that stuff that went down came out of that whole thing. I mean, Tom was in there. You remember Tom?
0: Yeah, Tom Boaz. So here's everybody that I remember. Eddie Armer. Yeah. You. Yeah. Boaz. Yeah. Um, uh, Evan, who, uh, when yeah. everyone had, when the instructor was up there uh, asking everyone's name, he's like, Evan. And uh, Evan's back there going, it's pronounced Len. <laughs> Yep. You, uh, Carl, I talked to, I Aaron, talked to Len,
1: just yesterday, in fact.
0: Aaron was in yeah, there. Uh, yeah, Uh, Danny. Yeah. Uh, and her weird husband Mike. Yeah. And I'm trying to forget. Oh, uh, uh um, um, tall girl who, with a thing. You know, there's a Brian who's now like one of the big police guys here on, in Hayes. Yeah. And another guy who just recently was teaching at the university who's in a, in a pretty good rock band. So yeah, there's a lot of cool people in, in, in that course.
1: It was a fascinating course. And there are a lot of people in there, you know, you're like, Oh, college is going to change my life forever. Just like in the movies. And I'm like, well, it can't, I mean that, that can't happen. You can't walk into the first day of your first class and sit down and have it be a moment that, that reverberates through the rest of your natural adult life. And I'm here to tell you kids, you kind of (laughs) can. In (laughs) fact, Len, Len and my wife have this vibrant Facebook friendship that freaks me out all the time. They're constantly talking back and forth and riffing to each other. And I'm like, you know, I met that guy like 26 years ago by accident. I, uh,
0: he passed me by at a store the other day and I didn't recognize him because he's now got a really huge beard.
1: Right. He's gone Viking.
0: Yeah, no, really. Totally. And he just walked by and he's like, Hey man. Good to see you again. And I was just like, yeah. And I was like, who the heck is that? And it took me like 20 minutes to go, oh my God, he grew a beard.
1: It's Cam. It's now, Evan. He yeah. has like 15 names.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, so
1: At one for he, those people he, who he have called been. called himself Uncle Lunch Me.
0: Yeah. Uh, for, for those people who have been following along, chronicling the history of Matthew and I's interaction, Intro to Broadcasting Day 1 was not the very first right. time we met. We had actually met the previous spring on Enrollment Day and that we were in the correct. same group of people that were enrolling together. So
1: And it was the same day that I first encountered the writings of Neil Gaiman. Oh neat. Because I bought a book in the uh in the school, the bookstore, and I was like, Oh, what is this? And it turns it was this Neil Gaiman book. I think it was about uh, Black Orchid or something, but it was really fascinating, and I'm like, I remember that day. That's the day I met Steven. So second Stephen Steven side, had really tall hair. I did. I really did. Really I had tall. a big,
0: I mean, kid and play had nothing on me.
1: Um, well, they might've had a little bit, but you had really tall hair. Yeah.
0: They may have had actual talent.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, your heart is telling you to go into music, Steven.
0: So here's, here's a side story. <laughs> on that day, Matthew was talking about, uh, of intro to broadcasting. Here's how you get yourself noticed. You walk in with a neck brace And your face entirely cut up.
1: I remember that you went through a windshield. Yeah.
0: So literally, so people, people arrive on campus, like on a Wednesday and there are no planned activities except, except to get enrolled. And so there is a ton of drinking going on as people get to know each other. And so my roommate's friend and I were going to go drive somewhere. I forget where we were going or why we were going there. But I was in the passenger seat and he was in, you know, he was driving and it was. And I swear, I swear that this was the one and only time in my entire life that I have never worn a seatbelt. And we come around the corner and there is a car peeling out of the university going super fast. And the guy swerves into our lane and the driver of my car reactionary, he turns the wheel hard left because the guy's in our lane. So instead of turning right and having him mm-hmm. smash on the driver's side, he turned hard left. The other driver corrected and slammed in on the front oh. of the passenger side. And because I'm not wearing a seatbelt, my wi- my head goes through the windshield. And so I've got glass embedded all over my, all over my face. Uh, yeah. I remember getting out of the car and sitting on the curb across the street, just holding my face as it's bleeding and just freaking out. Cause I got blood all over my clothes. And while that's happening, The police are pulling bottle after bottle after bottle of empty whiskey, beer, and other alcoholic beverages from this other car. Not the car that I was in, from this other car. The police ask the driver, when when did you guys start drinking? And and realize this is like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I think around noon. So these guys have been drinking for almost 12 hours, slammed into my car, and so uh, the car that I was in. So I ended up having to go to the emergency room, spent the entire weekend in the emergency room, got back late on a Sunday. And then Monday morning, I had to get up and go, go into a class. And so just imagine this guy with this big high flat top walking into class with these big Coke bottle spectacles and Mm -hmm. uh, a brace around his neck and his face all cut up and me going, oh, hey, Matthew, I remember you from, from uh, enrollment
1: day. You looked uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable.
0: I couldn't move my neck. And even today, I can't turn it all the way to the right side because my head hit on the hit on the right side and pushed it back to the left. And so now I still can't turn all the way oh. to the right. So that is, oh. a, that is an interesting side story just for people that want to keep track of the history of Matthew yeah. and Steve. If, you, if
1: you're doing that chronology, there was yes. the summer and then this is the first day of class yes. later at one point, And I'm not going to tell you when, cause you'll have to figure it out. Steven was actually one of my technical instructors because he was yeah. acting as an instructor. Yeah, he I was as a graduate student. A yeah. Yeah, you were gra- I I think we were both grad students at that. Yeah, I don't point.
0: know why you were in the class though.
1: I, uh, I, have I still yet I was, to figure that I out. I think I was I was doing my patented can you start my orange uh kind of uh short thing through life. I want to say that Tom was in the class intentionally having missed some time. Probably. And I think that I may have been in the class to keep Tom company because I was trying to figure out what I was going to do as a post grad. Ah, okay. And yeah, that may have been what it was. Cause there were like three years where I literally went to classes, but didn't really know why I can see that. <laughs> I got married at one point. That was fun. Yeah. I recommend it. Yeah.
0: All right. Here's my number one. This is one again, that was over the, uh, the 15 credit hours. So I paid like five bucks for this class, but as you can kind of tell from my discussions so far in top five, I took a lot of classes over the normal load. So technically I could have graduated when I was like a junior, like three years in I had enough coursework to graduate. Um, but I didn't instead. I was like, you know what? I'm at college. I've got a scholarship, uh, which is paying for like my books, I think is what it was paying for. Uh, and I was like, I might as well just take all of the courses that I can just to have fun and learn things. Cause I, I really do like to learn a lot as much as I can. One of the courses was the history of World War II. And I was like, oh, I want to take this course because it looks at everything leading up to World War II, what happened during World War II, both in the European and the uh, Pacific uh, conflict. And it talked about what happened after World War II leading up to Korea and Vietnam and really kind of ended at right around Korea. I go in on the, and I didn't realize that this was like, as Rodrigo's um, molecular biology course was, this is a, or maybe even the um, Spanish lit class. This was a course for people that were history majors. Mm -hmm. And I walk in on the first day, and this is the first and only class I've ever had that was like in a conference room. Everybody sat around a table that was just like a boardroom table. And I think that there were at most... Let's see, five and five So there was like eleven people in the class.
2: Yeah, that's how that Spanish led class was too. There were like 15, there were like twelve people there.
0: Yeah. Mm. It, yeah. Well, I guess it would have had to have been twelve because that's the minimum that you would need to keep the course going. And uh um Todd Elson was there. He was the only other person I knew because he was a history major at the time. And the teacher walks in and he was great. I mean, he would he would get up and he'd do voices, uh, he would do impressions of uh, different people uh, from history, like Churchill and and uh, Stalin and Hitler and and everyone else that was involved in this. As, as he was reading speeches and stuff, and basically the entire course for an entire semester was he walks into class, he starts lecturing, and you just take notes the entire time because there was no style. I mean, every little thing that he was throwing out dates and reasons and and why's, and everybody just had notebooks and notebooks full of stuff of uh, of everything about world war II that he was spitting out to us. The exams were incredibly hard so much so that even people who were history majors that had to take this as a required course were freaking out. If they, they were worried that they were going to get D's in this course. I think everyone walked out with a C or higher. I think I got a B in the course, Uh, but it was one of the most fun classes I'd ever had because there was so much info dump that was coming out and it put a big, part of our modern history into perspective. You know, why did the third Reich rise up? Why, what was the turmoil and unrest that was going on? Why did these other countries fall or uh, throw in with the Nazi party at the time? And how did this all come about? It was, it was just fascinating to learn this. So now when I see things happening in the world, I can kind of say, okay, now what was going on, you know, almost a hundred years ago or 75 years ago, How are those events that were happening then, how are those things happening now? And what are the things that we need to watch out for? Because we do know that history repeats itself. And that history of World War II class was the most intense course. It was the toughest course that I ever had. And it was the most fun class that I ever had when I was in college. And that's why the history of World War II is my number one. I think that's it. Uh, I had no, I had no, major courses in my, in my list, which is surprising <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. I, I've always tell students, yeah. I always tell students, uh, when I was teaching that when it comes to your major, you will learn more in your first year out of school than you will the entire time that
1: you are in school. Yeah. You learn more in your first summer home after the first year of school than you'll probably Well, learn I mean, as
0: school. far as, as far as it goes towards your, <laughs> as far as it goes towards your, your, um, your major.
1: Oh, you I had a major.
0: Well, I don't know. You didn't, you never got that master, so I don't know.
1: Oh uh, <laughs> no, you did
0: not, Rodrigo. You had some courses in your major, Matthew. You had one course in your major on your list. Sounds right. I wonder. I wonder why that is. Any any thoughts on why that might be?
1: Eh, it, there's a couple of reasons for it. Uh, first of all, I think that a lot of the courses in our major broke down to kind of um, not technical but courses that had a component of sit and do. Oh right. Like right. at one point you're like, okay, what are we gonna do? Today we're gonna take this tape, we're gonna edit it. We're gonna cut and we're gonna literally physically literally cut, cut, cut ed- tape. Physically cut and tape and we're gonna put it back together. Or at one point one of my classes was Friday nights I would show up and do four hours on the radio. And yeah. I'd be like, okay, Hi, hi kids. This is your old pal, Jumpin' Jack
2: Slash. woo You know, it's like, uh, for a top five, it's like, what were the classes that I have a good story for? You know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Mm -hmm. some of these are going to be classes that have, like, the wackier stuff happen in them, maybe. I'm sure you guys have some good story about, uh, some good stories that happen in your radio TV classes. I I do. I've got, you know, there was... uh, I I had some live TV classes where it's basically like here's there was like we were a group of three and it's like all three of us took turns directing. And man, if it wasn't three completely separate train wrecks each time, (laughs) you know, yeah. It's like, I'm I'm sure you guys got some of those too, but yeah, you know, it's like the the stuff that you end up remembering a lot of the time comes from outside your major, especially because for the three of us really amazingly, maybe luckily, like incredibly, the three of us walked right out of college and into positions right uh, that, that, that were right into our majors, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. which is kind of surprising so for us that those perhaps retroactively our most memorable memory like those memories are not really that impressive right. anymore if we had if our uh television classes had been the only television experience we had gotten and then we went on to become bakers you know <laughs> like <laughs> then maybe we would be a lot more nostalgic about those times when we did get to direct TV or, or, or stuff like that. Yeah. And the things
1: that I really, that I remember vividly, I remember the night that Bruce Otter met the woman that married his roommate and (laughs) kissed her so hard that I swear to this day, he can still taste her tonsils. I remember the day that one of our coworkers wore a dress and needed a a lavalier mic and didn't have a belt or anything to hook it to. So my job was to stand there and be as wide as possible so she could hook this mic into her underwear so that it wouldn't show on top of her dress. I remember sitting and watching Monty Python with a bunch of nerds, including a guy named Jay who kept quoting what was on TV while sucking from a helium balloon. So Monty Python would be on and he'd be like, and it was hysterical. No matter what would happen, it was funnier with Jay repeating it with a uh, helium voice. So I remember a lot of things, but I don't necessarily remember my coursework or my classes necessarily with uh, with giant fondness or things that are just like, hey, this is something that sticks well, right. and also it's been like a quarter century. I'm yeah. old. Yeah. I,
0: I remember all Stephen's of Steven's older than I am though. I remember all of my major course instructors. Uh yeah. one mm-hmm. of them one of them in our first year. Uh, wrote a book on how to do basically home videos, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. amateur porn basically is the book that he wrote. <laughs> yes,
1: was, I remember. It was a
0: book on how to do amateur he, porn in it. He got interviewed for Playboy. He got He was interviewed, on Real Sex. He was on Real Sex. That's right. <laughs> and he got fired. Because he was caught making out with one of the students in the back of his car in the school parking lot in the middle of the was afternoon. There
1: a camera was
0: there? No, a there was not a camera. But uh, <laughs> the the chair of the department found him, yanked uh-huh. his naked ass out of the car,
1: oh,
0: no. told him, told the girl to go home, and then hauled him into you know had him pull up his pants, but hauled him into his office. And by the end of that meeting, an hour later, he was fired.
2: Oh Our man.
1: That when it rained, the roof and the wall of the building where we did our newscast didn't meet, so rain would just cascade yeah, down the sometimes, wall. yeah, it would.
0: Yeah, yep. I that. <laughs> that building's not there anymore. And that's uh, where we're going to end this week's episode of Top 5. Thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening and following along with us as we go down memory lane. Uh, if you have the Top 5 questions, college courses that you would like to share with us, here's what you need to do. Head over to Majorspoilers.com and in the comment section for this page share those. Share those courses. Share your memories. And yes, Carl, I'm sure you're going to share your memories uh, <laughs> as you always do and you will contradict things that Matthew and I have both said, but that's that okay. That is
1: not true. Carl <laughs> is never right except when he is. Oh, challenge. And at that point we deny that he is Go
0: on <laughs> throw down there, Carl. Go to town.
1: <laughs> hey, you, you just remember, Carl, I know stories. Okay. I All know right. stories.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, I know But th- for the rest of you, please, share your coursework and show your work, because everyone loves a list. Take care. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.